This is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1877-669-1292. I'm Howie Silberger. Welcome to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to join me in the conversation by calling in 1-877-669-1292 is the number to call. It's 1-877-669-1292. We are heard live Monday to Thursday from 10 to 11 o'clock p.m. Right here on the True Talk Radio Network. The show is, of course, repeated on truetalkradio.com every morning at 9 a.m. And it is available on demand uh, as a podcast, so you could uh, subscribe to the podcast and any of your podcasting services. Uh, of course, you can find the show on YouTube and um, and on Mixcloud and a whole bunch of other services. Uh, the, the Howie Silberger Show is easy to find. It's a great show to listen to. Tell your friends, tell your family, the Howie Silberger Show, right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So yesterday I told you that the Prime Minister of Canada was passing, uh, was trying to pass a brand new Gun Control Act, pandering to the left wing, trying to uh, trying to push his agenda, exploiting the death of children. Well, the National Post took up the cause, and uh, I want to share their article with you. The National Post is the National Newspaper of Canada. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has developed a bit of a habit of taking domestic political stances that are seemingly targeted for U.S. audiences. After the word leaked earlier this month that the U.S. Supreme Court was said to overrun federal guarantees on abortion, Trudeau immediately issued a statement touting how every woman in Canada has the right to safe and legal abortion. When Black Lives Matter's protest roiled the United States last summer, Trudeau was quick to take a knee for photographers on the streets of Ottawa. And now, after a masked shooter killed 19 in an elementary school in Texas last week, Trudeau has responded with a slate of new restrictions on Canadian gun ownership. Canada and the U.S. have both have the, uh, some of the Earth's highest rates of civilian gun ownership, but the similarities basically stop there. Here is a not-at-all comprehensive rundown of the sharp differences between Canada and U.S. gun laws. Guns can technically, cannot technically be owned for self-defense in Canada. Easily the biggest difference between Canadian and U.S. gun owners is cultural. American firearms rights are guaranteed in the U.S. Constitution for the explicit purpose of arming the citizenry as a check against tyranny. And when you ask gun owners why they possess firearms, the mass majority of them report that it's for personal protection. But in Canada, the government allows civilians to own guns only for three main reasons. Killing animals, collecting, and shooting tiny holes in paper targets for fun. There are obviously plenty of Canadian gun owners who will fudge this condition in an emergency, But Canada mandates a pretty strict storage regime for firearms, which make them hard to whip out at a moment's notice. Unless you're in a wilderness area, your gun needs to be stored, unloaded, and separate from its ammunition. In addition, it either needs to be in a locked vault, or at the very least fitted with a trigger lock. There is a very, very, very rare exception to the above rule wherein a Canadian citizen can be authorized by the RCMP to carry a concealed handgun for protection if they can prove that they face a regular threat to their lives. As of 2018, only two Canadians had this certification. Now, nobody buys guns or ammunition in Canada without an RCMP-approved license. By their 21st birthday, most Americans can purchase a long gun with minimal restrictions. The U.S. has a whole latticework of rules governing handguns and concealed carry and magazine size, but as a rule, if you don't have a criminal record, you're all clear to pick up some pretty serious small arms. Even in New York State, home to some of the strictest gun laws in the United States, a successful background check clears you to pick up 10-shot semi-automatic sniper rifle. The semi-automatic part means that it fires every time you pull the trigger without without recocking it. But in Canada, you will receive nothing but a hearty laughter at the local gun shop until you can show evidence of possession and acquisition license. To get one, you'll have to complete the Canadian Firearm Safety Course and then submit an application to the RCMP. 
Among other things, it requires you to submit the contact details of current and former conjugal partners who may get a call from the Mounties asking if it's a good idea that you be allowed to own guns. In 2019, Canada had their application for PAL rejected. Potential risk to others was the most popular reason for, with 212 getting spiked for mental health. So 946 Canadians had their application um, had their application rejected. 212 were rejected for mental health. In other words, the Texas shooter whose actions have prompted Trudeau's latest round of gun control almost certainly would have been banned from operating a firearm if he lived in Canada. Here's a fun fact. You generally don't need a license in Canada to buy a muzzle-loading black powder rifle, as the federal government doesn't classify them as a firearm. So the most powerful civilian firearm at the time the U.S. Constitution was drafted is now so comparatively harmless that even Canada doesn't consider it a real gun. The rash of civilian mass shootings that have plagued the United States in recent years have prompted many U.S. states to pass what they call red flag laws. The laws differ in each jurisdiction that has introduced them, but it basically allows police or family members to seek a court order to remove firearms from an individual who may pose a risk to themselves or others. In Canada, it's written in the criminal code that a police officer can take your guns without a warrant. All they need is reasonable suspicion that an offense is being committed or has been committed. Chief firearms officers similarly retain broad powers to revoke licenses, such as an accusation of domestic violence or a firearm owner getting diagnosed with a mental illness. There's even a hotline, so if you know anybody that you don't think should have their gun, you could call 1-800-731-4000. And Canadians are urged to call that, report, call that number to report dodgy gun owners. Did you get drunk and make a cryptic comment to your ex about life not being worth living? Don't be surprised if there's a Mountie at your doorstep the next day looking to seize your gun collection. There's also something called continuous eligibility screening, under which any time a gun owner is involved with an event that could affect their eligibility, it gets plugged into the Canadian Police Information Centre, where it's flagged for review by a CFO. There are, are ways to, to appeal getting a PAL revoked, but with no constitutional guarantee on firearm ownership in Canada, it's what criminal lawyers call a fragile privilege. While individual U.S. states may differ on the specifics there's nothing immediately illegal about a U.S. citizen keeping a loaded handgun in their desk, their glove compartment, or in their purse. With the rare exception, with, uh, with very, very rare exceptions, Canadians haven't really been able to do this since the 19th century. Handguns, firearms with barrels shorter than 470 millimeters, are almost entirely classified as restricted firearms in Canada. You're still allowed to own a restricted firearm, but they come with a very onerous set of rules. Basically, the only place Ottawa wants you to have a handgun is locked up in your home, at a licensed range, or in the trunk of the car driving between these two places. And God help if you stop for lunch en route. If you're moving, you can't take that handgun anywhere unless you get the RCP to issue an authorization to transport. Take a handgun hunting, use it for target practice in your backyard, or just store it alongside its ammunition, and you risk getting the entire gun collection even the long guns sent to the smelter. Wearing a pistol on your belt is legal in all but three states in the United States. Roughly half of the U.S. states will let you carry around a concealed pistol without a license, while the others will, need, will, will require you to get a permit. As mentioned, can, Canadians can face total gun confiscation if a police officer so much as catches them with a pistol in their purse, even if it's unloaded and unable to fire. The rules are a bit different for long guns. You can keep an unloaded rifle in your car, and that's technically nothing in the Firearms Act that would prevent you from shouldering your rifle at the grocery store, provided it's unloaded and the action is open. It would have to be visibly unlocked, in other words. But aside from the occasional rural Tim Hortons during hunting season, this basically doesn't happen, as visibly carrying a firearm around in Canada for no apparent reason is a great way to get the cops called on you. So Canada already has some fairly tough gun laws. Why is the Trudeau government trying to tighten them? What is there to tighten? Why would they want to play with laws that are already working? It doesn't make any sense. But then again, nothing that the Trudeau government actually does makes very much sense. So I don't know why I'm asking, even asking the question. 
I, I don't understand why people have voted for Trudeau. Uh, you know, two elections they voted for Trudeau. It doesn't even make sense. If people want to own guns, in my humble opinion, people should be allowed to own guns. I, I have no issue with gun ownership in Canada. I really don't. I, I really don't think that we should be worrying about people who own guns in Canada. I, I know in the States it might be an issue, but in Canada we really haven't had a gun issue. And, and harassing people who own guns seems to be a little mean-spirited, especially when you're, you're, you're basing your harassment on something that happened in another country far, far away. Now, we missed this story a couple of days ago, but I wanted to share it with you because I think it's important that we understand that school shootings can happen anywhere. A 21-year-old Toronto man is facing a slew of charges following a suspected hate-motivated incident at a Jewish school in North York, Ontario. The incident, which Toronto police say appears to be an isolated one, happened on Wednesday at Yeshiva Gadola of Toronto, near Lawrence Avenue, West and Bathurst. According to Toronto Police, a man was riding his bicycle through school property when he was confronted by students for being on the property. This individual reportedly returned a little while later and started yelling at the students. Police say, say he also made some anti-Semitic comments. School staff then confronted the man and a physical confrontation broke out, during which a staff member was threatened and assaulted, police allege. Kyle McLeod, he's 21 years old, of Toronto, was arrested and charged with a variety of offenses, including assault with a weapon. He's set to appear in court on July 28th. Toronto Police Hate Crimes Unit is involved and is investigating the incident as a suspected hate-motivated incident. Now, in, in, in a strange twist, Uber has confirmed that the man charged is one of their delivery persons. Here's the quote from Uber. We have zero tolerance for violence or hate on the Uber platform. We are looking into the matter and will take the appropriate action. According to the company's community guidelines, all users are expected to treat each other with respect. Violence and discrimination of any kind are not tolerated. Uber said it had a team of former law enforcement professionals who work with the police to respond to urgent needs and walk them through how they could keep uh, how they could help with investigations. Jewish Human Rights Group, Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Center for Holocaust Study, is decrying this latest incident of anti-Semitism. It is extremely troubling that a man with a weapon violently threatened people at a yeshiva and even more disturbingly yelled that he wanted to kill Jews and the perpetrator must face consequences for his disturbing actions. Jamie Kisner Robert, the FS Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Center's Director of Policy, said in a May 26 statement, Kisner Roberts said that the incident is very disturbing for the community, especially because it targets children. We are very grateful that Toronto Police took control of the situation fairly quickly, and they did lay charges against the perpetrator, she said. Adding political and community leaders, along with police, need to develop a strategy together for combat hate crimes. Now, we can only hope that he's held accountable for fear that he has left in the community's heart. This incident comes in Toronto. Uh, comes as Toronto. This incident comes as Toronto reports a 22% overall year increase in hate crimes, the majority of which are directed at the city's small Jewish community. Such a sick attack comes on the heels of the Toronto Police Service's most recent annual hate crime report, that once again showed the city's Jewish community as the most targeted group. Jewish students deserve to go to school without fearing threats and violence, Kersner Roberts said. Toronto Mayor John Tory tweeted about the charges laid against laid in the incident, saying anti-Semitism has n absolutely no place in our city. Well, I'm glad that anti-Semitism has no place in their city. It is uh, it is heartening to hear that the mayor of uh, Toronto really cares about Jew hatred. I, I'm so happy about that. You have no idea. I'm elated that the mayor of Toronto cares about Jew hatred. I, I'm happy that the police stopped this guy from attacking... Uh, from attacking students at the school at Yeshiva Godola I, I, in Toronto, I'm I'm really happy that uh, that that our counterpart school is not is not hurt, and uh, I'm thrilled that the man didn't get inside the school because that would have been really bad. But at the same time, I, I'm a little perturbed by this article. Uh, number one, I, I'm I never saw the point, and, and I really don't see the point. In, in logging 
the number of anti-Jewish incidents that happen in a year. Why are we counting? Is it a contest? Uh, I just want to know if it's a contest. If it's a contest, what's the prize? What do we win? If the Jewish community has the most amount of hate crimes, as this article says they do, what is the prize? What do the Jewish community win? Aside from, aside from uh, fear and, and, uh, and the, the, the fear of being attacked, what else, what else are we winning here? Why is this a competition? Why do we have to, why do we have to you know, uh, compete against other people? And who is hated the most? It's like some kind of sick game show. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I don't know if it makes sense to you. Uh, it almost makes as much sense as when somebody tells me, hey, you know that actor? Yeah, the one that was in that movie? He's Jewish. Do you know he's Jewish? Do you realize he's Jewish? Uh, yeah, okay. So why do I care? How, how does that change my life or the way I view his acting skills, whether it be good or bad? How does this change anything for me knowing that that actor is Jewish? I, I couldn't care less. The only thing that matters to me with an actor is can you act? Can you uh, can you pretend to be somebody else convincingly? So I'm I'm entertained. You're a clown. Entertain me. Don't tell me what your politics are. Don't tell me what your uh, don't tell me how, what your religion is. I couldn't care less. The only thing I care about is entertainment. So if you are when I'm watching stuff with you in it, so if you're an entertainer, I couldn't care less what your religion is. I couldn't care less what your uh, what your, what your sexuality is, what your nationality is, doesn't matter to me. If you're an entertainer, I just care if you could entertain me. That's all that matters to me. So what your political opinion is, what your, uh, what your religion is, what you, uh, what you, what you eat, I, I don't care. I don't care. Just do a movie, do a TV show, do something that entertains me. Sing me a song, entertain me. And then I'll like you. I'm not going to like you for your political point of view. I'm not going to like you for your uh, religious point of view. I'm going to like you because you're a good entertainer. Or I'm going to say you suck if you're a bad entertainer. That's just the way it works. That's the way my life works, at least. I know not everybody not everybody does the same thing as I do. Not everybody thinks of it the same way. But uh, that's the way I think of it. Yeah, It's just it's just kind of ridiculous, if you ask me. one 669 1292 is the number to call. one 669 one two nine two, getting in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show, right here on the True Talk Radio Network. It is a pleasure to be with you here tonight, and um, and I really, I really, um, I, I, I really mean it when I say I, I just don't care who's Jewish. It's irrelevant. I don't know why people say make such a big deal about it. When you think about it, who cares? He's half Jewish, he's a quarter Jewish, he's not Jewish, he's Jewish Jewish, he's Jewish, he seems like a Jew, but he's not really a Jew. That's all I ever hear. I don't care. There is a, um, there is a general thought in the Jewish community that Israel is a uniting country, that, uh, that the Jews uh, in the diaspora particularly in the diaspora, that Jews in the diaspora uh, look at Israel as the, uni- as the unification country for the Jewish people. It is the Jewish homeland, of course it is, and, um, and, and we, have to, we have to think, is, it, is this a unifying factor for the Jewish community? Does, does the state of Israel unify? Years ago, the education system in in Canada, at least in Quebec, decided to change to change the uh, the way they teach Zionism in Israel. So what they used to teach was Judaism. They used to teach was a religion, and Zionism was the was the Jewish nationalism. So if you're part of the Jewish people, your Jewish your your nationalism was Zionism. So you were going to uh, you're going to support Israel because uh, that is your nationalism. That's 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 the way Zionists are. So Zionists are Jews who support Israel, or non-Jews who support Israel. It doesn't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. So a couple of years later, they changed it and they removed Judaism from the 
equation, and Zionism replaced Judaism. Now, Zionism and Judaism are completely different, completely different. Uh, one, is a, one is a nationalistic, political point of view. The other is a religion. So they're, they're completely different. And I find it interesting. Actually, I find it fascinating that the people who grew up thinking that Judaism and Zionism were exactly the same thing, they were one and you know one one hand into the other. Are now starting to realize that you know if Israel does something, it affects the Jewish people in in a nefarious way. It affects the Jewish people in a way that it shouldn't affect the Jewish people, because this connection should never have happened. Now this connection happened, and unfortunately, unfortunately we know that some of the biggest haters of Jews are Jews. We know this for, from history. It's a very unfortunate. And I'm not so sure this happens in other cultures, but in the Jewish community, if you want to, uh, you know, and I know this sounds anti-Jewish, it really does, but the truth is that if you want to, if you want to hear a vile talk about Jews and Judaism and uh, Jewish culture, all you have to do is ask a non-religious Jew. They'll tell you all about it. So it's no surprise to me that Haaretz, wrote an article, uh, well, an opinion piece, ran an opinion piece, called, It's Time for Jews to Go Back into the Exile. And I'm just going to read you a couple of lines from this because this is totally mind-blowing. Uh, a guy named B. Michael, I don't know who he is. I don't know if he's a constant and uh, a regular contributor to Haaretz. But this is what he wrote. This is the uh, first couple of lines of it. I'm a proud exilic Jew. I'm an internationalist and a cosmopolitan. I'm also devoid of any relationship to my geographical birthplace, and land to me is just a dirt in which food grows and people are buried. It doesn't have a single milligram of sanctity, and it isn't even worth a single drop of blood. Now, if you ask a Zionist, they will put their life, they will put their life in, in front of, uh, of somebody trying to destroy the land of Israel. They will give their lives to the land of Israel. But not be Michael. Nope. Not Haaretz. Nope. Haaretz doesn't care. B. Michael doesn't care about the land of Israel. Has no connection to it at all. It's, it's, very, it's very, very sad. It's very sad on, on, on a, couple of, a couple of levels. Now, even if you're not a Zionist, and a lot of people are not Zionists, even if you're not a Zionist, you have to admit that Jewish history comes from Israel. That this is the homeland, this is the land where we come from. So if you, don't want to, if you don't want to support the state of Israel, you don't believe that a state should exist before the coming of the Messiah, you, you, you have to believe, though, that, the state, that there, is a, uh, there is an entity there called Israel. Call it the land of Israel if you want. Don't call it the state of Israel. Don't recognize the state. That's fine. But the land of Israel has a connection to Jews and Judaism. The only time that you are going to consider the land of Israel as dirt in which food grows and people are buried and doesn't have a single milligram of sanctity, isn't worth a single drop of blood, is if you are so far removed from Judaism and from Jewish tradition that Jewish tradition means nothing to you. And I have a feeling B. Michael is at that point where, where he's so far removed from Jewish tradition that, that he could come up with, with, with an idiotic statement like that. And that's what saddens me even more. We spoke about the assimilation factor in, in Judaism. We spoke about that uh, numerous times on this show. And, and B. Michael is the perfect embodiment of that. You know who else is a perfect embodiment of that? It's the Haaretz publisher, Amos Shokin. He, he lives in Israel, but he's also the embodiment of the let's get rid of Judaism, forget about Judaism uh, segment of, of the Jewish people. He's the uh, publisher of the left-wing Haaretz newspaper. His name is... Amos Shokin, and he stirred up controversy with a tweet that he sent out on Monday in which he referred to Orthodox Jews as carriers of a most serious disease that could destroy Judaism. Shokin posted a thread started by a different Twitter user, uh, Haspikaret Hazomen, the outraged capitalist. Shokin's tweet read, Once the left found the state and the religion Jews were normal people who helped it, Today, religious Jews are carriers of most serious disease, 
which could destroy Judaism and make it something monstrous. After responses to his tweet in the same thread accused him of incitement, Shakud wrote, I'm not looking for a pet dos, an Orthodox Jew, and an Orthodox and the Orthodox today are not are no awakening, but rather a serious disease of condescending, arrogant, and racist exclusivity by Jews. A, a, generalization, a generalization that may not be justified for all of them, but is certainly justified for a politically significant part of them. Now, of course, the reaction from uh, from Israeli from Israeli members of Knesset has been um, has been pretty harsh. Uh, member of Knesset Betzalel Smartrich. Uh, said that when religious Zionism was a pet that helped the lord of the lands on the left, it was great, but when the left got tired and lost its way and religious Zionism continues in its stead, carrying Zionism on its shoulders, then it's carrying a serious disease. What condensation. Uh, the, the hypocrisy of the statement is really what gets me. It's not so much the statement. Everyone's entitled to her opinion. Everyone's entitled to a, to, to, to a political opinion. I have no problems with that. But it's the hypocrisy. I don't like hypocrisy. And anyone who's watched this show for a long time knows I, I, I just hate hypocrisy. And so uh, he said that Orthodox Jews are carriers of the most serious disease that, disease that could destroy Judaism. That's what the, the publisher of Haaretz said. And and so it can't be a surprise that the same publisher published an article talking about Jews going back into the diaspora, leaving Israel, going back to the diaspora because uh, you know, that guy has no semblance of connection to the land and to the people. So weird. So weird because I, I, I just not grew, I, I never grew up like this. I didn't grow up knowing people who hated the state of Israel as much as these people do. And these people live in the state of Israel. So why hate something? You, why hate the country you live in? If you don't like the country, why not just leave? What about a Haredi anti-Zionism, religious without the land? Uh, um, I, I have no issue with, uh, with, with anti-Zionist. And I've said this publicly many, many times. I had a guy on my show not long ago, maybe, maybe five years ago, four or five years ago. That's quite a long time ago, coming to think of it. Four or five years ago, uh, I had a guy on the show who, who accused me. He accused me of hating Jews, Haredi Jews, religious Jews. He said, I don't like the Orthodox. I'm anti-Hasidic. I'm anti-Haredi. And I'm anti-religious Jews because I took offense when somebody referred to me as a member of the Notori Karta. And I, I looked at him and I said, that, that's kind of funny. When, when you make that statement, it's kind of funny. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Notori Karta are the Orthodox Jews, the, the ones wearing black hats and the, uh, and the black robes, and they're the ones who stand with the Arabs and protest against the state of Israel. They're also the ones who went to an anti to a to a Holocaust denial conference in Iran, and they're the ones who stand with the Palestinian Authority, even when the Palestinian Authority is actively killing Jews. My objection to the Tory Karta and to the religious Jews who are anti-Zionist is not their anti-Zionism. That they have the right to do. That they have every right in the world. To, to not support the state of Israel. That doesn't bother me at all. In fact, in fact, I, I, I encourage them to be vocal about their non-supported state of Israel. Why do I encourage this? Uh, simply because I, I think it's important that everybody have a voice. And I've invited, non, uh, non, I've invited non-Zionists to be on my show, and I've spoken to them, and we've, we've had long discussions on the show. My objection to groups like the Notori Karta is that they have no morality. It has nothing to do with with, with their supported state of Israel or their lack of support to the state of Israel, it has to do with their morality. You could support or not support the state of Israel, and you could stand uh, and, and, and denounce the state of Israel all you want, but do it on your own. When they align themselves with the Palestinian Authority or they align themselves with Hamas or Hezbollah, or, or they go to a Holocaust denial conference in Iran, they are basically aligning themselves with the enemy. And when you align yourself with the enemy, when you align yourself with somebody who has vowed to destroy me, to kill me, to murder me, I, I'm not going to love you anymore. And I know I know the rule is to love a fellow Jew. You've got to love your neighbor like you love yourself. I, I know that's the rule. But I have a hard time loving somebody who wants to kill me. I have a hard time loving somebody who loves people who want to kill me. 
I had an anti-Zionist who was on the show on a regular basis for 20 years. And, uh, and we, were, we were relatively close friends for 20 years. And he was on the show occasionally. I mean, it wasn't every week, but every few weeks we'd, he'd be on the show. And we'd, we'd argue and we'd talk about uh, some of the things he was doing, his anti-Zionist activities. And uh, we, we had a lot of fun together. And then one day, he texted me from, uh, from, from, from Israel. He was, in, he was in what he called Palestine, living in Ramallah. And he texted me, and he said to me, Howie, I'm in Ramallah. And I said, oh, that's, that's nice. And he said, I'm going to the border to support the people at the border. Now, if you remember, about five years ago, five, six years ago, the people at the border were throwing balloons into Israel trying to kill Jews. Balloons that blew up when they hit the ground. Balloon bombs that were trying to kill Jews. And he was going to support this. Now, I spoke to him on the front line. He was standing on the beach and he was screaming in his phone at me that the uh, Israeli army was coming and they were shooting at people and they were pushing people off the beach uh, away from the border. Uh, and then and, and he was, he was tear-gassed. I mean, he told me the whole story. I was on the phone with him and he told me the whole story. And I kept asking him. I asked him the same thing over and over again. I said to him, why are you aligning yourself with Hamas? Hamas has vowed to kill the Jewish people. If you, are, if, you are, if you have decided that you are a member of Hamas or you are a supporter of Hamas, we can no longer be friends. So you could be anti-Zionist and you could protest against the state of Israel. That doesn't bother me at all. You can express your opinion, how you don't feel that the state of Israel should exist. I'm good with that. But the second you align yourself with a group that has vowed to kill me and my people, you have removed yourself from not only my friendship, but in my opinion, you've removed yourself from Judaism. You can't be a Jew supporting the murder of other Jews. One of the principles of Judaism, one of the strongest principles of Judaism is the preservation of life. If you're supporting an organization that is, that, that is hell-bent on, on destroying the Jewish people, I can't be friends with you. And I cut my friendship. After 20 years, I cut my friendship. I said, can't do it anymore. Won't do it anymore. It was a conscious decision to walk away from the friendship because I can't stand, I, I can't stand by idly as somebody I know is supporting terrorism the murder of innocent men, women, and children. A movement that has left in the, last, in the last three months over 60 Israeli children orphaned. Can't do it. I won't do it. I refuse to do it. So you can stand and protest against Israel all you want. You, you, can, have the, uh, you can have the concept and you can believe in the concept that Israel's not supposed to exist until the, until the coming of Messiah, and, and land is not supposed to be occupied by Jews until the coming of Messiah, and you can believe that all you want, and you can protest, and you could, you could fight Jews all you want about that. But don't align yourself with the enemy, with the people who want to kill you. To kill you, kill me. That, that's going a little too far, in my opinion. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in. Numbers to call 1 877-669-1292. 1-877-669-1292. Just uh, just type it into the message box. Or you can call in. It's, it'd be nice to talk to you. one 877 So when I take a stand like that, and, and I take stands like that a lot, I, I always get people who try to argue with me. They, they say to me, Howie, you, know, you said that the guy's not Jewish, but his mother was Jewish, and he was born Jewish. Uh, yeah, okay, whatever. Whatever. You can be biologically related to a tribe and not be part of the tribe. Even tribes, any tribal society will tell you that if you go against a tribe, you are removed from the tribe regardless of what your biology is. So anyone who supports the murder of Jews, anybody who supports organizations that murder Jews, in my opinion, is not Jewish themselves. 
They can't be. The same way I said that anybody who considers themselves an atheist can't be Jewish. Anyone who wants to murder us can't be Jewish either. It's impossible. Jews are supposed to love each other, not, not murder each other. one 669 1292 is the number to call. one 669 1292 to get in on the conversation. On the Howie Silberg Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. We're heard live every night, Monday to Thursday, from 10 to 11 p.m. Right here on the True Talk Radio Network. The lines are open between 10 and 11 p.m. Give it a call. one 1292 So I, I look, at the, uh, I look at, the, at the comments made by the publisher, Hafa Aretz. I, I look at these comments where he said that the Orthodox Jews... Uh, are, are are spreading some kind of disease that's going to destroy Judaism. And it reminds me of an oft-told story, a story that I tell quite often on the show. In fact, uh, I tell I, th- I think this is the most told story on this show, the story, the story I tell the most on the show, was when I, um, when I was uh, fighting against a, a high school, a local high school, who was trying to take Judaism out of the high school. So it was a local high school, a local Jewish high school, and, and they were trying to remove their Jewish program. And I was fighting against that. And we were using the show. We were on AM at the time. We were using the show to try to to convince the school to reconsider. We, we made a whole documentary on the on, on the topic. And uh, not long after the documentary aired, and the school kind of caved and they backed off a little bit, and and things started getting a little bit back to normal. I was in a restaurant, a local restaurant, and the um, and an old man came up to me. And and I looked at the old man, and the man said to me. Are you Howie Silberger? And I said, yeah, I'm Howie Silberger. And he said, you are the worst enemy of the Jewish people. That's how we started the conversation. So imagine you meet a total stranger. And the first thing the total stranger tells you is that you are the enemy of the Jews. I said to him, "Uh, thank you, but I don't know who you are. So why don't you tell me who you are? So he told me his name. And he is a huge benefactor in the city I live in. His name is on the top of many buildings in the city. He is a huge, huge, huge philanthropist who gives a lot of money to the Jewish community. But he's also anti-Jewish. He's also somebody who doesn't care about Jewish religion. He told me, he told me in that conversation that, that, that my support of Judaism, of authentic Judaism, of Torah Judaism, is, is draconian and is, is the top leader of, of things that are going to destroy the Jewish people. That, that's what he told me. And this article, this, this man, this publisher from Haaretz, saying that Jews carry disease that could destroy Judaism, reminds me of that story because it's the same attitude. It's the assimilationist, assimilationist attitude. That if we are good and we, we are good and we, we comply with what's going on in, in, in our community and we blend in, nobody will ever bother us. It was the attitude of Jews in Germany in the 1930s. It's the attitude of Jews in North America in the 2020s. It, it is a scary attitude, if you ask me, because as we never learn our lesson. That's the problem, that, that we don't learn our lesson. We tend, to, we tend to, uh, to get comfortable wherever we're living, and we don't learn that we are, not, we, are, we are guests. We are not permanent residents of the place that we're living. Unless we're living in Israel, we're not permanent residents of the place we're living. And then at one point or another, the residents who are living there will turn around and say, you are no longer welcome here. It has happened continuously throughout history that the Jewish people have been told, you are no longer, wor- you are no longer welcome here. Please leave our country. Now, I'm saying it politely. In general, it has not been that polite. So people who tell me that holding on to my tradition, thousands of year old tradition, and promoting Judaism, and promoting kosher, and promoting Shabbos, and promoting, promoting the things that are Jewish, makes me a draconian dinosaur who is going to kill, who, who, can't, who can't keep up with the times, and is going to kill Judaism. It's not only, I mean, it's not insulting at all. Let's, let's put it that way. It is actually ridiculous. It is actually Stupid. Now, I hate using the word stupid because it just makes me sound uneducated. But that's what it is. I can't think of a better word to describe it. It is stupid. It is a stupid comment. 
You can't make comments like that. You shouldn't be able to make comments like that. Because if an Orthodox Jew said the exact same thing about a, about, about a secular Jew, they, they would be skewered. There would be outrage. How could you say that? Some Orthodox rabbi came out and said something like that, which they have in the past. The secular society would, would, would go crazy. How could you say that? When I told the old man who came to me and insulted me in the restaurant, I looked at him and I, and I, I blasted him. I, I, I pointed out some of the misdeeds that he had done, like he had taken some organizations that were traditionally Jewish and turned them entirely secular. Organizations that kept kosher, that no longer keep kosher. Organizations that weren't open on Saturdays and Friday nights, that are now open on Saturdays and Friday nights. All because of his money. I pointed that all out to him. and I said to him, that's what's destroying Judaism. I said, but you know what? Your insult to me doesn't mean a thing to me. Because I have to respect you in order to be insulted by you. And because I have no respect for you at all. None. Not a modicum of, of respect for you. I really don't care what you think of me. He huffed and he puffed and he said to me, no one's ever spoken to me that way. I give millions of dollars and everybody always speaks to me politely and nicely. I said to him, I don't care how much money you have. You see, you don't understand. It's not about the money. I couldn't care less about the money. He says, well, that's why I'm not giving money to your radio station. I said, good, don't give me money. I don't need dirty money. I don't need assimilationist money. I really don't. I don't want assimilationist money. I don't want an assimilationist giving me money and saying, all right, now how are you going to promote assimilation on your airwaves? I, I don't care. I don't want that to happen. It's never going to happen. I told the man, get lost. And he, get out of my face. I, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And he says, I am never going to support an organization that you're part of. I said, have a nice day. I don't care. Well, everybody else, well, a lot of other people are running around trying to find donors and, and support the organizations that, they, that, that they're involved in and try, and try to find money for everything. I, I really don't care. I care about what's right. I care about talking and, and, and expressing an opinion that is correct. Everything else, I don't care about. So, I pay for this radio station that I'm on. I own the station. It's it's my station. So I, I I have I have a vested interest in the station, the True Talk Radio. I have a vested interest in it. And I'll say what I want on True Talk Radio. Nobody's gonna dictate to me what I'm gonna say on True Talk Radio. But at the same time, every week, every week, week after week after week after week, when I do these shows, I get emails saying, hey, and they're sending it to the general True Talk Radio account. And they're sending emails saying, hey, could you pull this guy off the air? I can't understand. I, I can't understand how you can have him on the air uh, saying what he's saying. Please take him off the air. How ridiculous. Let me, let me explain something. And I, I, I don't know if this is explained enough. When you're watching media or listening to media, if you don't like what the media is saying, if you don't like what's with the newspapers printing or the magazines printing or the guy in the radio saying, the guy in television saying, there are two options. You can continue reading what the person is saying or watching it, or you can throw it in the garbage or turn it off. These are your two options. Canceling the guy uh, and insisting that he get pulled off the air so nobody else can hear that opinion. Why would you do that? Why would you want to do that? We live in a free and open society. Where, where conversation and differing opinions should matter. You should care about what somebody who opposes you thinks and says. The same way I should care what someone who opposes me thinks and says, which is exactly why I always have open lines on my show. So if you disagree with something I'm saying, you could feel free to call in and we could debate it. Every show I do, I always have an open line. You could always call in, one 669 1292 that's the number to call. You can always call in and I will talk to you about anything. We could debate it because I'm not afraid to defend my position. And this is the thing I teach kids all the time. When I, when I teach kids about activism and I teach kids about broadcasting, the first thing I teach them is know your position, stand by it, and defend it. 
Don't back down. Why? Why would you back down? If that's what you believe, now never get on the air and, and, and talk about something you don't believe in. So don't take a position that you don't believe because then you sound fake. Everyone could see through a, through a, a media person who, who is talking uh, and, and taking a position they don't believe in. If you uh, listen to commercial media today, especially commercial talk radio, they tend to try to match up a right-winger and a left-winger who will fight with each other. And that makes compelling television and radio. That's what the, that's what the, um, that's what the uh, consultants say. If you have a right-winger and a left-winger and they're screaming at each other, that makes compelling radio or television. I disagree. Now, they, they may have more money than I do. They may have uh, claimed to have more experience than I do. And that's fine. They could have more money and more experience. I disagree. Because if the issue being discussed by the talk show host, and he has to take a position counter to the to, to whoever, the other, the other side, but if he doesn't believe and he's not passionate about his position, then it's obviously a put-on. And if it's obviously a put-on, then why would I want to watch it? It doesn't make... It, 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 it doesn't interest me. I'm interested in seeing people who are authentic, people who could talk to each other and spread authentic truth. Whether it be truth I agree with or truth I disagree with, authentic truth is authentic truth. Your truth and my truth could be completely different. Your beliefs and my beliefs could be completely different. That won't mean that I'll hate you because you don't believe in what I believe in. doesn't mean I won't talk to you because you don't believe in what I believe in. It just means that we are human beings with rational thought processes who could do critical thinking and are able to express opinions. That's all it means. doesn't mean anything more than that. So people who cut other people off because they disagree with them, I would never talk to anybody who, who watches Fox News. Never, ever, ever. People who do that really get my goat. They get my goat simply because how could you have a rational political conversation? How could you have talk? How could you how could you understand the world if you are shutting out an entire side of the debate? How could you possibly? How could you possibly have a rational thought? Have an opinion on world events, have an opinion on anything if you don't know the other side. The first rule of debate is always Know the other side before you talk about an issue. Know both sides of the issue. You could take your point of view, but understand that if somebody calls in or somebody's going to argue with you, they're going to take the opposite side. Know what they're going to say before they say it. Now, occasionally I'll get, occasionally, I, I will get surprised by a call. Occasionally. But most of the time, if you're going to call in and argue a point with me, I'm going to relatively understand what you were talking about. And I'm going to relatively be able to respond to it and I could probably, I probably would have anticipated the question before it came in. When, I, when I'm doing prep for the show, I always anticipate the questions that could come in. So it's, so it's usually a question that I thought of that, that would come in that I didn't figure I would have to address unless it was asked. But I already, ha I, you know, I already had it worked out in my head what I would respond to it if the question was asked. And that's the way you're supposed to do it. You can't just get on and just talk. Who does that? Who could just get on and talk for an hour or two or three hours and do a show just talking, not knowing what they're talking about? That would be ridiculous. And that would not be a show I'd want to listen to ever. It's you got to understand that taking a stand is not a bad thing. And I know it goes against what they teach you in Jewish school. It really does. Jewish school, they teach you be compliant. Yeah, you know, uh, join federation and uh, and be part of the federation team and whatever federation believes in, that's what you believe in. Join the Borg. That's what they tell you. You shouldn't do that. You should do the exact opposite. I always think that you should, I, I often think, I, I can't say always, but I often think that sometimes it's better to do the exact opposite of what they tell you to do. This is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292. 
I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Let me give you those numbers again. one 669 1292 1-877-669-1292. That's the number to call in. You get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show. In just about an hour, a little more than an hour, I will be back right here on the True Talk Radio Network with Political Hitman. Uh, Political Hitman airs on Israel News Talk Radio uh, out of Israel. We um, we do a show every um, every Wednesday morning, so Tuesday night going into Wednesday morning at midnight, we do a show uh, every week, every Wednesday. And uh, I invite you to come and join me for Political Hitman, where we talk about politics, but different politics than we talk about on the Howie Silberger Show. Uh, we, 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 try, we try to keep it a little more to Israel, a little more to um, a little more Jewish, a little more to Israel. That's what we do on Political Hitman. So uh, join me for Political Hitman. Political Hitman, of course, airs on the True Talk Radio network. And, uh, and True Talk Radio does have a full schedule of shows. You can find that schedule by going to truetalkradio.com and clicking on the schedule button. And there's a full schedule of shows. Download the app, the True Talk Radio network app from the local app store. And if you download the uh, True Talk Radio Network app, uh, you, of course, could listen to True Talk Radio 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, of course, if you want to listen to True Talk Radio on uh, on any any smart device, just tell the smart device to play True Talk Radio, and it will find True Talk Radio and play it. Uh, if you want to hear the Howie Silberger Show, you missed any part of this show, or you want to hear any of the other shows, you could subscribe to the podcast from your favorite, favorite podcasting service, and you could also tell your smart device to play the Howie Silberger Show. And uh, and we will uh, and, and your smart device will play the Howie Silberger show. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. So I just want to I just want to recap. I just want to I just want to finish this off because uh, I'm it, it really gets my goat when people like when people like Amos Shokin, who uh, who is the publisher of Haaretz come up with a statement so blatantly anti-Jewish that one has to wonder how the Jewish state allows him to publish. I mean, they're, they're, so, they're so discriminatory there to start with. And how they allow him to publish a newspaper, a daily newspaper. It's, it's so beyond belief that people who grew up in Israel, Jews who grew up in Israel, could be so anti-Israel and so anti-Jewish. It's beyond my belief. It's 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 beyond my comprehension. And if anyone could ever explain it to me, you could feel free to call into the show. I'd be more than happy to hear from you and to hear how you could explain this because it is way beyond my comprehension. The way I see it is that Israel exists because Jews need a safe haven. They need a homeland. They need somewhere to go. When 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 things get rough anywhere in the world, Israel is able to absorb the Jews that come to them. So the Jews of Ukraine ran to Israel. Israel was able to absorb them. The Jews of Russia ran to Israel. Israel was able to absorb them. The Jews of Syria, the Jews of uh, the Jews of uh, Yemen, Israel was able to absorb them. When the Jews of North America are going to be forced to run to Israel, Israel will be able to absorb them. God bless Israel. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I will uh, see you again tomorrow night right here on True Talk Radio Network. Don't forget to come back at midnight for Political Hitman right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Have a great night.